That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By, presented by Superbook Sports on your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to maybe the most feel-good win of the Denver Nuggets season. A 128-125 overtime victory on Christmas night over the old bugaboo Phoenix Suns. Um, this goes right up there as a um, you know a top three win of the season. Um, I would put the uh, probably put the win over the Memphis Grizzlies from last week over this one probably, but it's it's up for debate. Um, the win against the Golden State Warriors earlier in the season uh, hasn't aged as well. So I think this is a I think this is a top two win uh, for the Nuggets this season, and I say you know feel good because it had a lot to it. I mean, if if you want highlights, uh, just watch this one back. I mean, Aaron Gordon putting on an absolute display, uh, and he was just so fun to watch. Jokic goes for another triple double. A monster triple double, forty-one points, fifteen rebounds, fifteen assists, and just flat out incredible dominant performance from Nikola Jokic and big time shot making down the stretch when they needed it most from Jamal Murray. So I think those three energies coming together, Aaron Gordon's game, twenty-eight points. Are you kidding me? Eleven of eighteen from the field. Um Gordon. Murray heating up in such a timely manner and Jokic just being the very best version of himself. I think those are the three, you know, big one, two, three energies that came together uh, on Sunday night, Christmas night with um, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the NBA world watching. And I think it was the best game um, on Christmas, just to be totally honest with you. I mean, it had it had it all highlights, overtime triple double I mean that was um that was a that was a pretty special night uh at ball arena uh f- totally sold out crowd thought about going actually just just too late uh for me um but the energy was just flat out incredible then you look at some of the other games I mean uh, you know not to say that they were all bad games but none of them uh, were quite like this one uh on Sunday evening so all right let's uh let's talk about some stuff all right I have a uh, a whole note pad full of stuff here in my phone. Let's talk about uh, Aaron Gordon here uh, to start. First of all, actually, I want to pay this off. We have got to, because it's right at the top of my notes, and I can't believe that I'm, I'm addressing this again. I, can, I legitimately cannot. Um, you got the play-by-play person on ESPN, Beth Moens, referring to uh, Jokic as Jokic. And Okay, you can say it's a little thing. I don't think it's I don't think it's a little thing. This is a guy that is going to the Hall of Fame that's in the prime of his career that's a reigning MVP. You're in his house. Ask the PR guy, Nick O'Hare, how to say his name correctly. Jokic is not it. Sorry. 
Just had to get that had to get that out of the way. Uh, but it was Beth Moens working with Richard Jefferson, who Richard Jefferson also on the call said that the Nuggets are uh, so much better defensively uh, this season than they have been in the past. Eh, I'll throw a challenge flag on that. Although I will say this, I will say this: you are seeing uh, a delineating line drawn between the first like eighty. of these games to the last 15% because the Nuggets, when it gets tough and it is crunch time, all right, in some of these high leverage down the stretch situations, you are seeing them, uh, and and then the numbers aren't going to reflect it right now, but you are seeing them really buckle down defensively. You know, it's called, you know, crunch, uh, um, uh, uh, crunch time defense, you know, if you will. Uh, just like we talk about, you know, uh, a clutch situation, crunch time situation, um, five points or less in the last five minutes, like those type of situations. Defensively, the Nuggets have gotten so much better, and you saw that on display on Christmas night, where through most of the game, the Suns were having their way in the tr- traditional way that they do in the pick and roll. I mean, we've seen this over the course of playoff series; them just kill the Nuggets in these situations, and they were having their way. Uh, yet again, really, in that department. I mean, this was not some sort of you know, noteworthy defensive performance, but when the game's on the line, the team is showing you the best version of who they are defensively. Is that sustainable over the course of an entire game throughout the course of an NBA season? Probably not, but there's got to be some, uh, some space in between here for, for you, uh, you know, water to find its level defensively, if you will. Like, are you going to be a bottom three, you know, defense, and then last five minutes of the fourth quarter, you know, turn it on like a faucet? I, I don't know. I mean, it's working right now, but I'd like to see that extrapolated a little bit and find some middle ground there. Um, Aaron Gordon, this guy, I just want to start here when, you know, talking about individual performances. Told you about the 28 points, plus 18 Aaron Gordon was in the plus minus department when he was on the floor. It was no one higher. Plus 18. He was 11 of 18 from the floor. Only took two threes. Made one of them. Now, he did miss some free throws. Um, he missed um, four of them, in fact. Which is a, a little bit a little bit too much, okay? But I thought that dude... I mean, we can go on and on about Aaron Gordon's season. And, and we have here. Like, we've talked about it. Uh, chronicled it from the first week of the season. This dude is having the best season of his career. Okay? You're talking about him being the second best player on the number 1 seed in the Western Conference. Aaron Gordon is averaging almost 18 points a game, nearly 7 rebounds, over 2 assists. He is shooting 61% from the field. Guys, that is tremendous. Everything that Orlando wanted him to be when they took him, when they take, you take him fourth overall back in, it was like 2014, everything that you would hope he would turn into is culminating in this season. This guy has clear, clearly put so much time into his craft and it is paying dividends here in, what are we talking about, year, year 10 for him? I mean, this dude, is, for, for Aaron Gordon to be shooting 61%, guys, you want to know what he shot from the field in Orlando? You're talking about a guy who was mid to low 40s, okay? He was not an efficient basketball player. You're talking about a guy who was shooting, you know, in the 
you know, high 20% variety, low 30% variety from three. Aaron Gordon's shooting 39% from three this year, guys. 39% for Aaron Gordon. Over the, I mean, and, and we're not like, it's, it's not a five game sample. We're now talking like, you know, 29, 30 games in here. So to be shooting 61%, that's up uh, nine percent uh, percentage points year over year. So Aaron Gordon was already, you know, becoming and rounding into the best version of himself uh, since he got to Denver. He shot over 50% in each of the three years that he's been in Denver. Um, that was up like 7%. So so here's just an ex- example, and hopefully I'm not throwing too many numbers at you, but his last year in Orlando, okay, this is a bona fide pro, his last year in Orlando, and he had been in the league for over half a decade, all this stuff, shot 44% from the field, 43-7. That jumps up 7 percentage points year over year, okay, uh, to his first year in Denver. From his first to his second year in Denver, it jump, jump, jumps up another 2%. From the field, from 50% shooting to 52% shooting. Now it's up to 61% from the field. That means like if you contrast his last year in Orlando to where he's at now, what are we talking about? 14 percentage points higher from the field? That is remarkable. He's taking the same amount of shots essentially right now as he took his final year in Orlando, but is shooting 14% better from the field, that is just flat out insane. And excuse me, I'm misquoting it. I'm misquoting it. I said 14 uh, percentage points. It's more like 17% higher from his last year in Orlando to where he's uh, at right now from the field in Denver. And he's shooting 10% uh, better from his last year in Orlando from three to where he's at right now. So just an absolute um, renaissance in the career of Aaron Gordon and what he did the other night, the display of athleticism, and he's not a spring chicken anymore, right? You're dumb. I just told you play 10 years in the league. He's like, he's, he's, he's 27 years old. Now that's not 37, but it's also, you know, you're not, you know, 20, 22 years old and participate in dunk contests anymore. Right? So this dude had seven dunks and we've been documenting the dunks here um, on the mile high hoops pod is like, like, this is not normal for someone to be dunking a basketball this much, especially from a non-center position. This is a guy who, uh, and they put the graphic up on the screen, um, and this is not what he uh, ended up finishing with because he, he dunked more after this, but uh, at, at whatever juncture in the game, it was, in, it was in the first half, they put it up that he's got 80 dunks. 80 dunks in 29 games. That's absurd. That's absurd. We're talking about one-third of the way through the NBA season. And I'll try to remember all of them here. He had the, and this, and this got lost in the shuffle because he had so many others, but how about in the first, I think it was first quarter, he cut backdoor baseline, Gordon did, and Jamal Murray threw him a dime, which would have been in the middle of his chest had he stayed on the ground. So I don't think Jamal was purposely throwing him a alley-oop pass, but that's what he ended up doing because Gordon just left the earth, caught the pass, and reverse dunked it. Incredible. Um, he had another one where uh, a, a Contavious Caldwell Pope throws him a lob for a reverse dunk. He had a pick and roll lob uh, with Nikola Jokic early um, in, in the third quarter where Richard Jefferson on the broadcast is just emphasizing the uniqueness of a four and a five 
running a pick and roll, a power forward and a center running a pick and roll from the middle of the floor. It's just unusual. Um, it obviously speaks to Jokic's skill set. But uh, we've seen that harmony between, uh, and we've just gone on and on and tried to articulate it and reframe it and refresh it. But like it's almost getting old. But but at the same time, you, you have to keep talking about it. The synergy between Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic is remarkable. It is somehow blossoming to another level. Was already brilliant. Um, and I'll go on and continue to say what I've said for weeks. The best thing that ever happened to Aaron Gordon's career is playing alongside Nikola Jokic. And I said from the moment that he got here, Gordon, that he's a great fit for the Nuggets, but they're an even better fit for him. And that has just proven out to be the case in spades here uh, and continues to be the case. Um, He had another dunk where Nikola Jokic is being doubled and he just dives. He just has that awareness to fill that space. And Jokic gives him another, you know, over the head pass. His second uh, like that in the last three games. So, yeah, I mean, this guy was everywhere. And then it culminates. It culminates, of course, with, um, I think, the NBA dunk of the year right now. The and one over Landry Shamit, which why they took so long to review it. It almost took a little bit of steam out of it because that should have been an and one call in the moment. And you know who that dunk remind me of was um, Kobe Bryant against the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs circa like 2007, I think, maybe six, where Kobe um, was dragging like was like Chris Mim and Smush Parker and, uh, uh, you know, band of nobodies, really. Uh, when they were trying to find their way before they ended up acquiring Pau Gasol and, you know, getting Bynum and, you know, Lamar Odom and all this stuff. Um, but he had a group of vagabonds, Kobe did, up 3-1 to one over the Suns with Steve Nash and Sean Marion and all those guys. And they ended up losing the series. Um, the Suns were just just too much for them. But the on the game that, that the, the Lakers took a 3-1 lead, there's the famous Kobe shot where he's falling away with no time left. You know, they win the jump ball. He has a floater. Then he has the has the fadeaway with no time left to win the game. He's pulling back his jersey and pounding his chest, and they go up 3-1. He had a dunk over Steve Nash that I swear to God, it's the exact same setup. It's like uh, a coming down the right side on an unsettled breakaway. Nash tries to uh, uh, take the charge the way that Shamit did. And it w- it looks the same, like their bodies were straight. It wasn't like this uh, dunking on someone where your body's wrapping around them. Like your body's straight, their body's straight. You're just knocking them over like a bowling pin. I'd like to see those two uh, dunk side by side. But anyway, um, Gordon throwing it down over Landry Shamit is the NBA dunk of the year, was the number one play on SportsCenter, and has got to be on the Mount Rushmore of all-time Denver Nuggets dunks. It's got to be. Um, I think it's, you know, you know, will it be replayed for decades? You know, probably not. But I think it's among the best in-game dunks we've ever seen. Gordon himself said after the game, he believes it was, you know, considering time score situation, the best in-game dunk of his career. And that dude has had some highlights. You already know it. So just across the board, man, uh, really, really awesome stuff. Uh, once again, from Aaron Gordon and, you know, I'll ask the question, and, and, and I think I know the answer, but, I'll, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Is Aaron Gordon a, a, an all-star this year? Second best player on the number one team in the West. He probably won't get there, but 
I think that his name deserves to be mentioned a little bit more than it is right now. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> so good stuff for Aaron Gordon there. He was fantastic, continues to be a consistent in that, in that consistency. That's what Jamal Murray is missing and has been missing really throughout his career. We talked about that on the last episode. Um, but he found the best version of himself in closing time. Backstretch of the fourth quarter. Nuggets are down, looking like they're going to lose. The win probability reflected that. And I thought Murray, he had a Murray flurry over like a four or five minute stretched in the back half of that fourth quarter that was so fun to watch. He made seven of his eight free throws, seven of 19 field goal attempts, made five threes, took 11, so five of 11 from three. That's terrific. Uh, Pulled down some rebounds, had five assists, had a couple steals. Um, And then you talk about the play at the end of... um, uh, at the end of um, uh, regulation on the inbound pass where Jamal is inbounding to Jokic and Jokic gives that little hand back, um, handoff back to Murray and apparently it wasn't the play that was supposed to be run but Murray just playing basketball, right? Trusting his instincts um, realizes that um, it's there's a vacancy in front of him and he just continued to go down it and throw down a one-handed dunk Love to see the athleticism on display when the game is on the line. And that was just huge, man. It's huge for Jamal. We've talked about the up and down nature of his season. And you love to see him in a big moment on a big stage. Played 43 minutes, guys. 43 minutes for Jamal Murray. Only Jokic, who played one more minute, um, was on the floor more than Jamal Murray. For, For either team, by the way. So you're kind of you're seeing Jamal sort of turn a corner here. Um, well, you hope that's the case, and we've hoped that that has been the case multiple times this year. Let's not, you know, uh, trick ourselves, right? Like, how many times have we asked, is Jamal back? Is this, you know, is he semi back? Was this I'm back game? I don't want to go down that road. Um, you just got to keep stacking bricks, man. Keep stacking bricks, and ultimately. Um, hopefully Jamal you know, turns that corner and is that guy who he was in the fourth quarter every night uh, for the Denver Nuggets. So um, what else here? I thought Michael Porter Jr. was largely hard to watch. Uh, three for 11 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. Between him and Bones, who just continues to struggle, Bones 1 of 6 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. So between Bones and uh, MPJ, 0 for 10 from the field. Uh, and both guys are a negative defensively, and when their shot's not falling, they need to find other ways to impact the basketball game. Right? Been talking about this for a couple years with Jamal Murray, but Bones now is squarely in this conversation. He has seriously struggled uh, from just the, the floor, uh, and this is who this guy is. He's a scorer. He wants to score. That's that's how he views himself. This is what he needs to be for that second unit. And he was just brutal. I don't know how else to say it. And the nights like this for Bones um, are kind of stacking up here over the last month or so. Now, there'll be a game, you know, uh, here and there, um, you know, where where he'll be a better version of himself. But that guy, Bones, he's too talented to be so singular 
Like how, how else can he affect the game? We've seen him effective in pick and roll situations with Jokic. He needs to be a creator when his shot isn't falling. It feels like he's trying to shoot himself out of this slump, which, hey, like, okay, I'm okay with that. But as long as it's coming within the offense and too often times on Christmas night and too often just in general here as of late with Bones, um, if he's got daylight, he's trying to get that thing off. And that not uh, that may not be what's best um, you know, at that point in the game or that point in the possession. So he's got to he's got to grow a little bit uh, in that department, as as does um, as does Michael Porter Jr. Um, KCP, I thought was huge down the stretch. His presence, his uh, veteran nature, his been there, done that um, uh, nature about him, uh, I thought was huge. I thought he was instrumental uh, in getting that win. And um, I even thought uh, uh, Zeke Naji defensively um, was had had some good moments too. Didn't provide anything offensively, but um, I, I I thought he had a couple moments defensively. Um, and then beyond that, you know, the, the bench wasn't wasn't great wasn't great um it was a very uh it was a short unit you know in terms of uh, uh the amount of guys who played just nine guys checked into the game uh on on christmas night um but it worked it was enough and i love it how about the series um how about that was a uh that was a sequence on the second half of the game where nikola Jokic had a uh, bismack biombo in hell now uh is not a name who rolls off the tongue to a lot of um NBA fans especially younger ones but um those who were you know watching the draft and you know in 2010 2011 like this guy was a top 10 pick and uh, uh, for uh, Sacramento and never really turned into the guy that um the Kings wanted him to be on draft night and he's a role player right he's a, he's a, he's a regular player um and Jokic looking at him like a piece of food. I mean, there was literally three possessions in a row. Jokic shot a baseline jumper from the right side, knows it was going to be short as soon as he releases it, does a swim move around Biombo, gets his own offensive rebound, which is very unusual for for a jump shot, um, and puts it right back. Next possession, he goes down the floor. Um, He tries to cross Biombo up. You never see Jokic try to do that. You used to see Shaq try to do this when he would play like Sean Bradley or someone like that, where he would like literally try to, you know, showcase his handle. I don't know if I've ever seen Jokic try to cross someone. Well, he didn't get past Biombo, but he um, he uh, <laughs> he shoots almost like a a jumper after he sort of runs into him because he can't he can't get by him with the bounce. And it's an and-one jump shot, right? Then he comes down the very next possession. These are three possessions in a row. And because Biombo is slow and late on a closeout, he knocks down a three-pointer right in his face. So from missing a jumper short and, and, and grabbing an offensive rebound off a swim move and then a putback, and then an and-one jumper after he tried to cross him up, failed, and then it still worked out for him with an and-one, and then comes down and hits a three in his face because it's late on a closeout. It's like, goodness gracious. He, uh, he had that young man um, in, 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 in jail. Um, what else here? Uh, oh, I wrote down this play because the basketball gods have a way of rewarding um, great effort in overtime 
Aaron Gordon's save, jumping out of bounds in transition to save the basketball, he saves it to Jokic. It's like three minutes left in OT. He saves it to Jokic, who gives him who gives it right back to him because he's coming back in bounds. He establishes himself back in bounds and gives it right back to Aaron Gordon uh, following the save. And Gordon hit a reverse layup. It was such a massive bucket. At the time, like I said, uh, about three minutes left, it made the game 119-115. That was huge. And then the Suns just squandered some chances in overtime. I mean, Chris Paul missing free throws. They had a botched uh, lob pass with Torrey Craig. Um, and I forget who else on the breakaway. They didn't, they didn't help themselves out uh, a ton. Um, KCP had a big three in overtime to make it 124-118. Just massive, man. Massive win over a team that has kind of had, the, not kind of, has had the Nuggets number. Um, it was a game where uh, Devin Booker left the game early. Okay. Um, don't really care. Um, you you beat the Suns anytime, uh, any way, any, any shape, form you can. You, you find a way to beat that team, uh, and they did. And now you look, they're uh, 21 and 11 in first place in the Western Conference. And they've won seven of their last eight games. And Jokic has gone from 20 to 1 to win the MVP 13 days ago. Guys, he is down to 4 to 1. Where 13 days ago I put 20 to win 400. If, if I put 20 today, it would win me 80. That's how short his odds have become in such a short period of time. An absolute meteoric rise. And he's squarely back in the MVP conversation. And I think he's going to win it. I do. I think he's going to win it. So we'll see if I'm right on that. We'll continue to react to these games. Next up is the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. That game is uh, actually tonight at the time of recording. It's Tuesday morning. And then you're going to play the Kings again. So a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday. Not the traditional home-and-home. A back-to-back set both in Sacramento uh, before you play Friday uh, at home against Miami and then Sunday against uh, the Boston Celtics in another litmus test game. Did not go well the last time in a 131-112 blowout back in November. We'll see how it looks uh, this time against uh, what many are calling the best team in the NBA in the Boston Celtics. So you got to get through the Kings and the Heat first. And you know whatever happens against Sacramento uh, in the middle of this week, we're going to react to it on the back half of this week right here on the mile high hoops podcast thank you for tuning into the mile high hoops podcast powered by superbook sports until next time